Well, that's just uh, an example, a story of what we've been talking about for the last several weeks as we've been doing this series called Spiritual Power in Everyday Places. And if you're just joining us, the, the thing that we're drilling down to is this, that Jesus over and over again says that his followers are going to have this thing called spiritual authority, spiritual power. Most of us have no idea what this is all about. And frankly, most of us don't want to know what it's about. It sounds weird, right? Like it's kind of odd. But, but let's assume that Jesus wants to give us this power. Let's, let's assume that it's true and that there might be a need for it. That what if Jesus actually is speaking the truth? And what if there is good work that we are needing to do in the world, in a broken and weary world, to bring his grace and mercy to bear? The whole proposal for this whole series, as we wrap this up, is this. In Jesus, because of Jesus, through Jesus, only by his name, only by his blood, only by his mercy, you are more powerful than you can now see or know. But you need to see it and know it, in part because you're up against more and different kind of opposition than you can now see or no, and in part because God has wired you up to make a bigger and different kind of difference than you can now see or know. And that kind of difference might look something like that story we just listened to, we just watched, right? Where a, a, a person who's not a Jesus person, not a Christian, complains to her employee, th weird things are happening in my house. And, and this man, because he has a category for spiritual opposition, and because he has a category for spiritual authority, says, I can do something about that. So he steps in, he prays over this house, and what happens is a bigger kind of difference, more of a difference than he ever imagined, right? So not only does the house have a new sense of peace, but this two-year-old girl can now walk and talk. That was not unexpected. Now, if this is new to you or weird to you, like, welcome to the club. Like, this is, almost, this is new for almost all of us, right? This is, we're stepping into a category that is new for almost all of us. All we're doing is taking Jesus seriously. What he tells us about God about us, about the world, and about the work that he's sent us to be a part of and to do. Now, to be clear, like, we're not saying that every problem in the world has some sort of a spiritual thing behind it. Not, there's not a demon behind every problem. Most of the time, the two-year-old kid can't talk, and it's because there's, like, a developmental delay, right? They need speech pathology and therapy and a therapist to help them work through, and that's really, really good work. But sometimes, sometimes, the problems we face, the challenges we're up against, have a spiritual layer to them. Sometimes the child can't speak because there's a layer of spiritual opposition keeping that child mute. Sometimes the conflict at home or in your workplace has a spiritual layer to it. Sometimes the anxiety or the fear or the voices of shame or guilt that you hear have a spiritual layer to them. Almost always addiction has a spiritual layer to it. And if we don't do the work to bring spiritual authority to bear in those problems, the problems will never, ever be healed. What if some of the very, very normal, everyday, earthy problems you're facing in your life today have a spiritual layer to them? And what if Jesus has given you power and authority to step into those problems, to peel back the spiritual layer, and to bring new life, new grace, new peace, new joy into the corners where you're currently facing spiritual oppositions. We're talking about, we're talking about spiritual authority, spiritual power in everyday places. Today we're closing out the series by looking at Jesus as he commissions his disciples to go. After his death and resurrection, we're picking up the story in Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28, Jesus has already appeared to, uh, to a couple of people, some women who were in his inner circle. And then he, uh, the, he, he has the disciples to sort of make this crazy trip and to give them this 
incredible, incredible call to go and do this thing that he's prepared in advance for them to do. So here we're picking up Matthew 28. The disciples haven't yet seen Jesus before. And here's the, how the story picks up. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Pause right there. Uh, about a year ago, uh, or two years ago, I had a very strange dream. And in it was a man named Brian Mann. I hadn't seen him in 10 years. He used to be a co-worker of mine. And in the dream, Brian Mann, who did not have any tattoos that I knew of or were, were aware of, uh, was covered in tattoos. And he told me in the dream that the tattoos were all scriptures that mattered to him or worship songs, like phrases from songs that had gotten him through really hard times. It was such a vivid and powerful dream that when I woke up, I had a sinking feeling about what I was supposed to do. I knew I was supposed to contact Brian Mann and tell him about this dream. Now, this was weird on multiple levels. Most of the time, I don't reach out to random dudes and say, I'm, I'm dreaming about you. It's a little weird. But it was so clear, so clear that I was, there was something in it for him that I, I, I sat down. I was like, Brian, long time. Haven't talked to you in a long time. I had this dream about you. I told him about the dream. He emailed me back right away, super grateful. He's like, this is so great. What a great gift. And today's my birthday. I got to deliver Jesus' birthday present to him. I had no idea it was his birthday. Sometimes you get a call or a command or just a sense that God wants you to do something, and it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's not what you want to do, or you're not sure what's going to happen, or it's risky, or it's odd, and you're, you're not sure how it's going to play out. This is where the disciples are as we pick up here in Matthew chapter 28. A few verses before this all happened, the women had went to embalm Jesus' dead body. They show up. The tomb is empty. The angel says, he's not here. He is risen. Hallelujah. We'll celebrate that in about seven weeks, Easter Sunday morning. So his body isn't there. The women run to go tell the disciples. They meet the resurrected Jesus, and Jesus gives them some instructions. He says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will find me. So the women go to the other disciples. They tell them this crazy news. Jesus' body wasn't there. We saw Jesus. Jesus said that y'all need to go to Galilee to meet with him. Now, if you had been one of the disciples, you would have been like, you've got to be kidding me. We saw him die. And we're all grieving. Shock, horror, right? This is just a shroud of fog and, uh, and, and a bunch of them had abandoned them, right? All this shame. They're in this dizzying hard fog and they hear this crazy news that they've met the res resurrected Jesus and that Jesus wants them to go to Galilee. Now they're in Jerusalem. Galilee is about 100 miles away. So they're supposed to go 100 miles away to meet these ladies' imaginary friend, right? Most of them are probably not really excited about this trip. They think that they're already on grief. They're already carrying the weight of this. And yet, here's what they do. They make their way 100 miles on donkey and or on foot to go to Galilee exactly as Jesus told them to go. And maybe some of them were grumbling all the way. But spoiler alert, as they go and do this crazy thing that makes no sense, Jesus is there waiting for them. There's a principle here that I want to pull out that I want to invite us to consider and press into as we talk about sort of spiritual power and even just general experience of Jesus. That is this. If you want to meet Jesus, here's what I want everybody to do. Our experience of Jesus will increase as we obey. Go where he says to go. Don't go where he says not to go, even if it doesn't make sense at the time. Listen, my friends, you're in church. Let's just assume that you're at least open to meeting with Jesus. 
But you can't say, I'm open to meeting Jesus, and then run away from the place where he's already waiting for you. He's waiting for you. Go. Or don't go. Where he says not to go. That means go or don't go to the mountain. Go or don't go to the sea. Go or don't go to the bar or the website or into that relationship. Go or don't go where he says for you to go or not to go. There you will meet him. When Jesus said, go and tell Brian Mann about this dream I gave you, it felt a little weird. But when I said yes, when I followed through on it, I met the Lord. Like there was Jesus at work. Amazing. On the other side of that dream, on the other side of me just doing a small thing, sending an email, I had three more dreams with random people over the next 10 days. And I didn't hesitate at all. Now, now most of them weren't like as, as wonderful, magical as that, but Jesus kept showing up as I kept obeying and kept being open to simply being obedient to what he had given me to do. My friends, our experience of Jesus is going to increase as we step into the places where he calls us to go or not to go, which doesn't mean that it's completely dependent on us, right? Jesus meets people all the time and interrupts their lives in wonderful, beautiful, rude ways. People who want nothing to do with Jesus have dreams, experiences. Jesus puts people in their lives that kind of are a nuisance to them and praying for them and doing all kinds of terrible things like praying for them to bother them, to kind of awaken them spiritually. Some of you, that's been your experience. You're here today because you can't get rid of Jesus' people. They keep dragging you to church. He'll meet us. He will all the time. But if you want to actually meet the resurrected Jesus, go where he is. Even if it doesn't make sense, is there a step of obedience that you might take today that might position you, open you up to meeting the resurrected Lord? Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if it doesn't add up. Even if the math doesn't quite kind of comport and, and uh, measure up. And it's okay if you've got doubts. It's okay if you've got questions. It's clear that that's also plaguing the disciples as they make their way because the next line we get from the disciples who make their way 100 miles to Galilee is this crazy line. When they saw the resurrected Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They'd walked 100 miles, gone looking for something they didn't think was gonna happen. They saw this incredible, wonderful thing, but it was almost too good to be true, right? So some of them doubted. We're going to talk more about those doubts here in just a little bit. But it's just a good thing to note that Jesus appears to a community of people that look a lot like us, right? Some of us worship. Some of us all in. Some of you wonder what this is all about or doubt. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Jesus loves to meet people just like us, communities just like us. He's done it since the beginning of the church. To these, to this group of people, 11 guys, some of them worshiping, some of them in awe, some of them doubting. Jesus gives these famous words. He says this, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now the word authority has been key for this whole series. I want to drill down again to that definition of spiritual authority that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Because we want to close with this and help to kind of get it clear on our brains. What are we even talking about? That is spiritual authority is the right and the ability to speak into the spirit realm in such a way that agents in the spirit realm obey with corresponding outcomes in the natural realm. That is the right ability to speak to the spirit realm, to go into a house where there's some spiritual oppression, to, to, to cast that oppression out, and then there's results in the natural world. There's a two-year-old that can suddenly talk and walk on the other side of that prayer, right? That's natural results after spiritual and supernatural work. Jesus appears to his disciples and says, listen, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Now, this is really interesting because 
there's a sense where has been given means it's a recent thing. That is, on the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus has new authority, new power. That there's something new that has happened to him after his obedience all the way to cross, even to death unto a cross, there's something new that has happened. And here's the principle that I want to invite us to step into, that spiritual power and authority increases on the other side of obedience. Spiritual authority and power increases on the other side of obedience. Even on the other side of Jesus, right? On the other side of Jesus' death and resurrection, he is crowned King of kings, Lord of lords. To him is all blessing, honor, dominion, wisdom, glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. King of kings, Lord of lords. There is none like him. At the name of Jesus, at the end of all time, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In the mystery of how this all works, those things weren't as true with Jesus before he was crucified and resurrected. Before his obedience. His obedience crowned him with glory on the other side of the cross. That God the Father raised him from the dead and said, you are now king of kings, Lord of lords. Before Jesus went to the cross and was resurrected, he had a normal human body, just like you and me. He embraced the normal humanness, right? He had limits. He got hungry. He got tired. He could be hurt. He could be killed. I want to suggest to you that he didn't know everything. Because part of being human is not knowing what's coming. That's why we worry. So Jesus embraced all these limitations of a human body. He could bring perfect spiritual authority wherever he went in, in little towns, in, in the spaces. Wherever his body went, he could bring that spiritual authority. He had authority over anything and everything. But it was limited to a human body in a human place. On the other side of the, de- of the cross and the resurrection, he's a perfect body that will never get hungry again. Never get tired again. Stands outside of time. He will never be crucified again. Never die again. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords, outside of time, over heaven and earth and under the earth. And now he has all authority in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And so now he's available to everyone at any point, anywhere, anywhere in the world that calls on his name. That's why when a random guy in Vermont walks through a house, declares that Jesus is Lord over that house, the demons must go away because Jesus is Lord. Over all things. And Jesus sort of, his lordship, his power, his authority has actually increased on the other side of his resurrection. His faithfulness to God all the way to the grave. So Jesus has all this power and all this authority. And he does this really, really strange thing with it. I want to suggest to you this is really, really odd. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, blank. And it's been a while, but now it's time to play one of our favorite games around here. Bible Mad Libs. Where we put a blank in a passage, and, and if, if you had never read this passage before, some of you haven't, we're so glad you're here, but if you had never ever read this passage before, what do you think would go in that blank? Listen, he is talking to 11 guys. Some of them are worshiping, some doubted. They have not had a good week. Some of them abandoned Jesus when he got arrested. They fumbled and failed him over and over and over again. And so to these 11 guys who have failed him over and over and over again, here's what you might expect now that Jesus has all authority and all power. Therefore, you losers are fired. You're fired. I'm tired of bumbling along with you guys. I have all authority, all power. I want to get new friends, connections, power, authority, some more wisdom around here, some more abilities to kind of fix things and make things right because here's what I'm going to do. I have all power, all dominion, all authority. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm taking what's mine. I'm asserting my power and authority. What's the use of power if you're not going to put it to use? 
You can't claim, Jesus, you can't claim that you have more power and authority over the religious leaders than the religious leaders in Jerusalem who just crucified you. You're going to let them get away with that? This is a revenge story waiting to happen. If you love revenge movies, this is a revenge movie waiting to happen. Those guys killed me. Time to get them back. You can't let them rule, can you? Or, hey, you got all power and authority. What about Rome? You can't say that you have all power and authority when everyone in the Roman Empire knows there's only one person who has all power and authority. His name is Caesar. And they declared, Caesar is Lord. If you want to be the man, you've got to beat the man. So you can't sit there and say, I got all power and authority, and then just let Caesar be Caesar, and everyone claim he's Lord, right? Don't you need to go head to head with Caesar and prove that you now are the actual power and authority in the universe? Isn't that what Jesus should be doing next? But in this weird, crazy turn, it's not what he does next. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, y'all go. Jesus' favorite pronoun, y'all. You 11, doubters, worshipers, you 11 who fumbled and bumbled your way through, y'all go. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. To a group of men, many of them abandoned him. Many of them have fumbled and bumbled their way through. They don't understand his mission, his purpose. They're going to fumble and bubble this for the, ne- for the rest of their lives. They're still going to be figuring this thing out. It's, what's, what's remarkable about this is what Jesus doesn't do. Here's what Jesus doesn't do. The first thing Jesus doesn't do is they're not fired. <laughs> their abandonment, their doubts are not disqualifying. And you know what, my friends? That's really good news for normal people like you and me, isn't it? Really good news for normal people like you and me. Here's how I want to summarize this. Nothing you have done disqualifies you from the love of Jesus or from participating in the mission of Jesus. Nothing you've done, nothing on your ledger can possibly disqualify you, my friends. Here's the good news. Grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. Grace changes everything. You are not defined by your mistakes. In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus, you've been baptized in his name. You are defined by God's amazing grace. Nothing can disqualify you. When we sin, we make mistakes, which we all do. We just keep coming back to Jesus. There it is again. Forgive me. I repent. Come, Lord Jesus. Help me to love the light more than the darkness. I know I'm a sucker for the darkness. I know I fall into the same traps over and over and over again. Have you ever noticed that? Like, have you ever noticed that if you pay attention to the, 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 the mistakes you make, you fall into the same mistakes over and over again? Like, Satan isn't that creative. It doesn't have to be. We're pretty gullible. We fall for the same three or four voices, same three or four temptations over and over and over Again, oh, Lord Jesus, there it is again. Would you forgive me? Would you have mercy? And would you, even in the midst of my fumblings and failures, would you extend your kindness to me? And then, Lord, I don't deserve it. I'm not sort of this clean vessel or whatever, but can, can, can I still be a part of your mission, your kingdom coming, your will being done? Can I still speak in your name and push back darkness? Because here's the, here's the good news. Here's the good news. The authority that Jesus gives his disciples, it's not about you or your name. It's about Jesus and his name. It's not contingent on your performance. It's contingent on Jesus' performance. The perfect king of kings, the Lord of lords, 
He is, he is the ruler and authority over all things. And he says, when you trust in me, I'm going to camp out in you. When you trust in me, I'm going to fill you with my spirit, my name, my authority. I'm going to give you the ability to step into darkness and push it back because I am king of kings and lord of lords. You speak my name and that pushes back the darkness. Nothing you have done disqualifies you from the love of God or the mission of God because grace has the last word over everyone who is in Christ Jesus. First thing Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't fire them. Their, their mistakes don't disqualify them. The second thing that Jesus doesn't do, which is so interesting to me, is this. Jesus doesn't speak to their doubts. You notice that? Doesn't answer their questions. They're there worshiping. Some doubted. And Jesus doesn't sit there and sort of unpack or explain everything to everybody and kind of work through the doubts. You know what he says? He says, go and you'll figure it out as you go. Go and I'll answer your doubts on the way. Just go. And I'm going to help you to untangle and sort of work through the challenges that you are facing. My friends, here's the deal. Jesus calls us to go. And sometimes you got doubts and questions and you're uncertain, all kind of thing. But here's the deal. Sometimes you just have to say to your doubts and your questions, you got to come with me. You're not holding me hostage. Sometimes you got to say to your doubts and your worries and your complaints and your fears, Jesus is telling me to go. I can't shake you. I can't get rid of you. I can't seem to shake the, the doubts or the fears or the voices complaining. This is not our agenda. It's not the life we thought we were going to live. It's not the path we wanted to follow. I got other plans for my life. And Jesus is saying, I want you to go somewhere else. Sometimes you have to decide, are you going to let your doubts and fears hijack your life? Or are you going to say to the doubts and fears, you got to come with me. I'm not letting you hold me hostage another day. Some of you maybe wanted to get baptized today. You got too many doubts, too many questions, too many fears. Maybe Jesus was saying, just go, just jump. We'll figure it out as we go. Now, to be clear, some of you need to work things out. Like, good questions are good questions. If you're a doubter, if you're a questioner, if you're a cynic, if you're a cynic or a skeptic, you want to ask questions. This is a place to ask questions. This is a place to wrestle. You can voice any doubt you want. We are not afraid of your doubts. I don't know how to tell you this. Nothing you say is all that new or special. You're not going to come up with a question or a doubt that no one's thought of before. You're not that special. So welcome to the community. Welcome to the doubters. Welcome to the skeptics. Just come be a part of it. We're so glad. And yeah, sometimes you've got to wrestle doubts and wrestle your thoughts and understand things. You've got to wrestle things, wrestle things, wrestle things, wrestle things all the way down to the ground. But for some of you, you've wrestled enough and God's not going to sit there while you sort of spin in your questions any longer. God's saying to you, it's time to go and we'll work it out as you go. It's time to jump. Time for you to take the leap. And I'm going to meet you as you take that step. Our spiritual authority increases as we obey. Right? The disciples' spiritual authority, they're going to go do some amazing things. Jesus said, you're going to do more amazing things than I even did. Our spiritual authority increases as we obey. So I want to call you again. Go where he says to go. Don't go where he says not to go. Even if it doesn't make sense at the time. Even if it doesn't make sense at first. Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth. It makes no sense that he would send 11 guys who don't understand his spiritual authority to go and change the world. But here we are 2,000 years later. Guess what? It worked. Here you and I are 2,000 years later. Thousands of miles all, where all this happened. You know how much money has been spent trying to kill the church in the last 2,000 years? Should have never made it out of the first century. Here we are. Because Jesus gave his authority, his power to 11 bumbling fools and he's changed the world with them so much so 
that here we are celebrating our 17th anniversary in a small little community, doing our best to follow Jesus, declare his good news, and the Lord is doing miracles right here in our community. Here's what happens when people step out, take risks, when they go, when Jesus says they go. He unleashes more power, more authority, more grace, more beauty, more goodness through them to change the world. Normal people like you and me are instruments through which God changes the world. Several hundred years ago, there was a revival in Wales called the Welsh Revival. The Welsh Revival, it started as almost every revival does. Small group of people praying, 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 praying. They started devoting more of their lives to the Lord. They started sort of giving up stuff that was distracting them from God. They were all in on Jesus. And what happened was that it started to spread in their little church. More and more people kind of got caught up in this prayer and they start to kind of repent and let go of things. They go all in on Jesus. And it starts to spread across the whole country of Wales for months and months. More and more people became disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus. In fact, so many people became disciples that the prisons started emptying out. People were not breaking laws anymore. No one was drunk and disorderly because Jesus was their Lord. They started closing prisons in Wales because so many people became Christians. Wouldn't it be awesome if the Chatham County Police Department had nothing to do in Chatham County? Because so many people were followers of Jesus, became disciples of Jesus. No one was breaking laws anymore. Wouldn't it be great if there were no more women and children being abused, beat to a pulp? No more children or women being sex trafficked. No more human trafficking because abusers, the angry, the exploiters had repented, had come to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior, becoming disciples of Jesus, amazing grace, changing their hearts. They were now becoming instruments of grace. They used to exploit and use and beat up, and now they surrendered all that to the grace and mercy of God. Wouldn't it be great if there were no more children bouncing around the foster system in Chatham County? Because so many disciples of Jesus, so many of us had our lives changed by the radical hospitality of Jesus that we decided Jesus has been so hospitable to us, we want to be hospitable to these kids who need a home. What if every Chatham County kid was adopted and fostered because Jesus Christ was sweeping across Chatham County and changing lives? What if there was no more sorrow, tears, what if there are no more lives being destroyed by cycles of addictions? What if addictions were no longer destroying, destroying marriages and kids' childhoods? Because at the name of Jesus Christ, every chain will break. And cycles of addiction were broken because Jesus Christ was Lord over more and more of Chatham County. What if grinding cycles of poverty were broken because Jesus' followers were stepping in, taking new steps of obedience and faithfulness to work out economics and job, create jobs and to step into situations to help people wisely manage money because Jesus Christ is Lord and more and more people are becoming disciples. They pressed into the parts that are the poorest of the poor and said, Jesus is here among you. I want to help you. Let's move forward to break cycles of poverty. Today is our 17th anniversary as a church. 17 years ago this weekend, a small group of about 35 people left a great church where they were more comfortable there was better staffing, more money, more programs for their kids. They left all of that because Jesus said, go and make disciples in Chatham County. And they left what was comfortable and familiar to start something new 17 years ago. And 17 years later, here we are. 17 years later, two campuses, more people, we serve more people and break, we break in tennis records. Three weeks in a row in January, we broke more and more tennis records. Just more and more people getting connected, growing up. People left a church that they loved, but they were driving 25 to 45 minutes away to find this great church that they loved. They said there needs to be something here in Chatham County to declare the good news that Jesus is Lord, to make it easier for y'all, us, to come together and know the good news of Jesus. 
Here's what happens when ordinary, normal people like you and me say yes to Jesus' go. It creates us, a community that's been a blessing and a gift to me and my family, and I pray and hope it's been a blessing and a gift to you and to yours. Because, my friends, here at Chatham Community Church, here on our 17th anniversary, I want to invite us to consider this really, really great news. Happy anniversary, CCC. What if in Jesus, because of Jesus, through Jesus, we are more powerful than we can now see or know. But we need to see it and know it, in part because we're up against different kind of spiritual opposition than we can now see or know, and in part because God has wired up, wires uh, us up to make a bigger and different kind of difference right here in Chatham County than we can now see or know. What if this is our invitation from the Lord on our 17th anniversary to press in, to press into renewal, revival, to make the police board in Chatham County, to help kids who are struggling, to break cycles of addiction, to ask the Lord to drive out any spiritual darkness that is hovering over Chatham County because Jesus is Lord over Chatham County, amen? He is the Lord. He's Lord of our church, Lord of our community, and we, we are his joyful, grateful kids who get to press in to his wonderful, amazing grace. And by his grace, we take small steps of obedience. He keeps showing up. He keeps surprising us with what he's doing. And then we humbly just return back to worship week in and week out, loving each other, loving our neighbor, asking the Lord that his kingdom might come, his will might be done across Chatham County as it is in heaven as we bring his spiritual power to everyday places. Today's wildly important take home, just to close out the series and close out this morning, our experience of meeting Jesus increase as we obey. Go where he says to go. Don't go where he says not to go. Even if it doesn't make sense at the time, is there a step of obedience that God's tapping on the shoulder saying, I want you to take the step. I know it doesn't make sense right now. Is there a step of obedience he's calling you to take? where he might surprise you in the days to come. Secondly, spiritual authority. I want to get this definition in front of us. I want to invite you to continue to pray about this and think about this. Spiritual authority is the right and ability to speak into the spirit realm in such a way that agents in the spirit realm obey with corresponding outcomes in the natural realm. That is, you go, we pray, we ask the Lord to bring his spirit, his light, his life, and it changes lives around us. Next, nothing that we have done disqualifies us from the love of Jesus or from participating in the mission of Jesus. That we, of course, we have to continually open ourselves up, confession, repentance, renewals, why these are such great, important spiritual disciplines, but ultimately nothing can disqualify you from the love of Jesus or from bringing his power, his great name, to bear in dark places of our community. Next, sometimes the doubts and questions can't be left behind. They just have to come with you. For those of you who struggle deeply with doubts and skeptical about all this thing, we're so glad you're here. Come with us. Come journey with us. Let's see how the Lord might meet those. And then finally, our spiritual authority also increases as we obey. Go where he says don't go. Go where he says go. Don't go where he says not to go, even if it doesn't make sense at the time. My hope and my prayer, my friends, as we close out this series, is that we might be delightfully and wonderfully surprised at where Jesus is already at work, inviting you to step in. And hey, if this is all brand new to you, you're not sure this is, you believe any of this, we're so, so glad you're here. Come in, come in, come in. Welcome home. Jesus is Lord. Grace is amazing. His spirit is at work among us in everyday, beautiful, normal ways, healing broken spirits, broken families, broken hearts, broken bodies, broken minds. The Lord is at work here on our 17th anniversary. We can't wait to see what God's going to do among us and through us, normal broken people like us, bringing spiritual power to everyday places. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for your amazing grace, and we pray that you would help us to get our hearts and our minds around it, to celebrate it. And Lord, help us to be awake. If there are 
uh, spaces and places where you're calling us to step in and bring spiritual power, spiritual authority. I pray that we wouldn't shy away, but that we would be willing to step in to your call and to your name to bring amazing grace to repair and restore broken places. Come, Lord Jesus. Would you, would you give us ears to hear how you're singing over our little church community? How you love, love us and long to do new things in us. So come, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here to do whatever work you want to do to gather us around the King of Kings and to sing his praises and to be instruments of his grace and mercy wherever you would send us. We pray in Jesus' strong and mighty name. Amen, amen.